Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. Today is Friday, November 20th, and in news, we all expected this was coming. Uh, it actually, the, the news came down today that the 2021 Derby City Classic was officially canceled due to COVID-19. Uh, keep in mind that is canceled, not postponed. Um, I spoke to Greg... Uh, sometime last week, and he had said that he was going to hear something this week from the state and was hoping that when they announced what they were going to do, that they would be able to announce it as a postponement. But he felt that he needed to have a date in mind. I'm guessing, since he didn't have a date in mind, this was announced as a cancellation. Long shot? Maybe something gets scheduled for later in the year, and, and that's not due to anything that I've heard. I'm just thinking, you know, if this thing starts to clear up, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to run something later in the year. In other news, the Action Pool Tour had their 2020 Virginia State 8-Ball Championship. Uh, two separate divisions, men and women. The men's division, Mike Davis won, no big surprise there. Um, the ladies' division was won by Liz Taylor, which again is not really a surprise. What was newsworthy was the second-place finisher in each division. Shane Wolford finished second to Mike Davis in the men's division, and his sister, Savannah Wolford, finished second in the ladies' division. I think most fans are more familiar with Shane's game, Shane Wolford's game, but it sounds like Savannah is quite an up-and-coming player. All the way over on the West Coast, Arizona, the Arizona Women's Billiards Tour, uh, Ray Evans and Brian Honaway. They won the, the traditional AWBT uh, Jack and Jill Scotch Doubles event. They hold it every year as their final event of the year. It's kind of a half a, a tournament and half a party to, to celebrate the year. It, it doesn't sound like there was a whole lot of a celebration based on the small season. But it also sounds like they had a great time. In other news, the Sunshine State Pro-Am Pool Tour held their Sunshine State Pro-Am Tour Bar Box Championship. That was at Rax Billiards in Sanford, Florida. In the winner's circle was a name that most fans know, uh, Raymond Linares. Raymond is a three-time ACUI collegiate champion. He's also won the APA Amateur Championships. Now, those wins were four, five, six, seven years ago. Uh, Raymond's name is, has popped up a little bit recently, but this was his, his first big win. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Raymond uh, this week, and I asked him about this, this first big singles win for him. Yeah, this is the first big singles outright tournament win for me in a while um i've had some some big matches that i've won in the last couple years here and there when i've peaked into tournaments and you know had some good performances against some good players but you know this is the first i guess bigger noteworthy event i guess in a while what was also interesting with raymond was he credited this win to finally taking time out of his schedule to get together with mark wilson uh, he elaborated on that. So Mark, you know, Mark had invited me to go to Lindenwood for, um, 
a few years. It had been several years. He's like, hey, come train, come train. Whenever you want, you know, you're welcome to come. And I, in my own head, had made excuses just because, you know, I was freelancing at the time. So every weekend I was trying to work, you know, if, if a pool tournament came up and then work came up, I was going to work. That's just the nature of not having a secure paycheck. And so because of that, I wasn't playing as much and I felt like I didn't want to go and waste Mark to- Mark's time by not being as sharp as I can possibly be out of just respect for him and what he was doing at, Li- at Lindenwood. You know, at the time he was he was heading up that program and I had a lot of respect for what he was doing because I, I grew up wishing I had that for myself. I was often just al- alone to train and stuff. So I had a lot of reverence for his passion for the game and what he does for those kids. And I didn't want to go there and not be the best version of myself. So I kind of put it off for a long time. And then eventually I was just like, you know, life is going to keep happening and you're, this, these opportunities are going to keep passing you by until you just decide to make the time to go. And I was like, I don't care what, you know, what state my game is in or what I insecurities I might have about that. I'm just going to go. And I cut aside time to go and I canceled a job to go. <laughs> And I went to go see Mark and it's funny because they, we did very little of like high level rotation play. It was a lot of foundational groundwork stuff. And he helped me by, you know, just recording some of the tendencies he was seeing in my game that in the past they would be hidden by the fact that I was playing a lot of pool. So when you're playing a lot, you can mask certain things that are maybe causing a ceiling for you and your stroke because you're just getting out and you're focused on that process. But when you're removed from that by life or schedule or whatever, then those things become limiting factors and they're more frustrating. And so Mark really helped me deconstruct what those things were and helped shift some alignment things, some stance things. And it was really strange at first. And first day I felt like out at sea. But we really just spent hours attacking it. And I, I just committed myself to be a student that weekend. I didn't, I, I knew nothing. You know, my cup was empty and I just trusted his whole approach because that's why I went. He he really helped kind of readjust certain things to get my body clear from my stroke. Uh, my body was kind of in the way a little bit of my of my stroke and it was causing me to pop up a little bit and get, you know, jump up to help create clearance you know, that and just a little bit of lack of playing time was was causing some misses that didn't need to be happening. And so he really helped correct those things. And since then, I felt uh, a little bit of a ceiling kind of be taken off. You got to work with it and, you know, make it a mature process. It's not like it just happens overnight, but it definitely helped clean up some things. And I'm as pr- maybe the most efficient I've ever been now with my stroke. And I, I messaged Mark the other day after the tournament, and I told him, like, I just have hit now this this threshold of stillness on the cue that I've never felt before. I'm feeling a little bit of the things I used to felt when I was really consistent and playing at a high level. But it's not the top tier of my game that's playing. It's more of just like I'm floating in like a really strong kind of middle space with a lot of headroom now to kind of tap into. And that's where I kind of feel myself at right now as it relates to my own game. So it's really encouraging. So besides the time with Mark Wilson, Raymond says he's had a chance to work. It's more convenient for him to work on his game now at home. 
it sounds like he's pretty ready to get back pretty seriously to the game. It's really been an experiment in delayed gratification. I think a younger version of myself had an opportunity to playing a lot on the Seminole Pro Tour and gaining a lot of experience with top level players. And I was at a crossroads where school was about to ramp up and then I had this you know, desire to really be a champion level player. I kind of just listened to the people around me who were like, get your education, get your career, pool's always gonna be there. And so I did, and pool's basically been on the back burner, just tabled for the last five years. I've had some moments where it's been really frustrating, just on a personal level, because what's sitting there, you know how much you're doing all of this just so you can get back to that. And so I had, you know, some moments in the last few years where not fun, <laughs> you're like, I just want to play pool. And then I spent a year and a half trying to figure out how can I manage my schedule so that I can compete or I can at least practice and do all this other stuff. And there was no equation that worked out. And then eventually it was like, oh, wait, my wife came up with the idea. Like, why don't you just get a table and put it in the living room? And at the time we had a, a an apartment that was way too small. It didn't fit properly, you know, a nine footer, but I made it fit <laughs> and I sacrificed one side, but I was like, man, why didn't I think of that? Like that's solves a lot of problems. I can wake up and hit balls. And then since then it's been okay. Now I can like pick and choose when I want to get ready. So, so like I've had moments where you remember that you can play. So those kind of kept me going. And then recently I've just, after the baby and after all this crazy stuff happening this year, I've just like, I'm going to just start practicing consistently. And, um, you know, the last month has been really good. While we don't have as many events this weekend to talk about, the, the ones that we do have, the, there's a couple real big ones. First off, we have the first annual Muchi Classic. That is taking place at Rack's Billiards in Sanford, Florida, the same room as the Sunshine State event last weekend. This one's even bigger. Uh, nine ball division with 150 players. 10-ball division with 64 players, uh, $8,000 added. You've got pretty much the big guns that are traveling around. You've got Dennis Orcoyo, you've got Roberto Gomez, Mika Imanen, Jeff DeLuna, Josh Roberts, Tony Crosby, Atencio Hernandez, Linares. Oh, and also Tommy Kennedy. Good to see him back and playing. Uh, one of the notes coming out of that tournament in Sanford was Dennis Orcoyo. Dennis is trying to raise money for the relief effort going on in the Philippines after all of the hurricanes and typhoons and everything else going on out there. He is raffling off his case. It's a, an Acme. I believe it's a 3 by 5 case. He's selling raffle tickets. Now, this is being recorded on Friday. My understanding is that the raffle will take place on Sunday. He is also committed to donating 30% of his winnings from this particular tournament to that relief effort. Other events going on this weekend, also in Florida, Tony Chohan and Scott Frost finally getting together for a little one pocket. Uh, today would be day two of that matchup, and I believe Scott was leading 10 to 4 after day one. Uh, in Texas, the 47th annual Texas Open, you remember that one a couple weeks ago. Well, they were able to have the nine ball and the one pocket events, but they weren't able to have the ladies events. So they've got everything put back together. And this weekend is the 
47th Annual Texas Open Ladies Division. Looks like they've got a pretty full field for that. That's back at Skinny Bob's Billiards. And finally, I see uh, J.P. Chower Northeast Women's Tour stop at On Cue Sports Bar and Grill in Front Royal, Virginia. The main interview for this week is Ra Hanna. We mentioned last week that we were going to talk to Ra Hanna. Ra's got a big junior event coming up in January, and he's also got a number of different things that he's working on, like he usually does. He talks a little bit about the junior event, and actually that being a series of junior events. And then he talks about production and, and where the game's going and, and where he thinks it can go. So, without any further ado, I give you Ra Hanna. Very proud now to be joined by Ra Hanna. Ra's been with us a number of times. Ra's got a big event coming up. What do you got going on, Ra? Oh, man, so... Thank you for having me, Mike. We have the Junior International Championships coming up in January 7th through 9th at Wolfden Billiards in Roanoke, Virginia. And my man, we're about to change the game. So, uh, you know, dealing with COVID, we're only going to have 110 participants. It'll be 45 and 18 and under and 45 and 13 and under. But we do have something nobody else ever did. We have a slot from 18 to 20. Because being when you're 21, you can play at Derby. So usually at the juniors, when you're 18, you age out, and there's no place else for you to play but the Shark Pit. You either go and donate to the to the grownups or you're gambling. So we're trying to give them, you know, another slot for them to continue to grow and and to build Team United States. So from 18 to 20 at Pro Am, uh, 20 people slot. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. Okay, uh, Wolfston Billiards. Um, how did that relationship come together? Oh man, that that this this been a while because uh, Corey Wolford, man, and his wife Trina, we've always been in contact since the BEF. Corey and uh, Trina, they just want the best for the junior. So when I thought of this this event, you know, they have enough room, enough space, and and the room is just really nice. And we we align on different things. So when I approached them, they were more than happy. They were they were super happy because we did the uh, Star City shootout there too, and we talked about it the years before and when i i called him up again it was easy he was like come on down Ra, we ready they really love the kids and support the kids so i'm gonna support them and and compare this event to junior nationals okay so the difference between this event and and, and junior nationals is that we still have the same age groups the only problem with junior nationals is that you know you don't have these all the time first of all there's prizes and scholarship money scholarship money goes to the parents the prizes the prizes, which I don't want to say, but it's going to be educational prizes and pool prizes at the same time. So we're going to reward them for being great students, and, re- and we're also going to reward them for being uh, excellent pool players. Now, we have this is the first event that we're having. There are going to be three more. The one's going to be in the spring. The other one's going to be in the summer. And then the culmination, the, the big jewel, thanks to Pat Fleming, we're going to be at the International. And it's probably going to be, don't, don't, don't hold me to it, but we're looking to try to do 128 juniors at the International. So we're trying to give them a, a little tour that's going to be, you know, uh, year-round year for the juniors. And remind everybody what you did with Pat at the last International. Okay, so at the last International Open, we, you know, my thing since... I love the juniors so much. I just thought they didn't get the proper exposure and they never 
got to really be under the gun. So I approached Pat that summer and I said, listen, I want to put a juniors event on at the international showcasing the top juniors. So if anybody's looking for them to go to the world and things like that, because there's really only one event to qualify for worlds, I wanted to give the juniors a platform and I wanted them to feel the heat and to be in the AccuStats arena. And he said, raw, go right ahead. So we had, was it eight? Yeah, we did eight, eight that year and then buckled down to the four and then to two to the finals. If COVID didn't hit this year, we would have had 32 juniors there. We had 32 juniors this year, you know, on the main stage, you know. I think that's where the United States kind of falters a little bit. we got to put these juniors where we can see them so they can, you know, get the accolades that they deserve and so also so we can sharpen our swords. The American juniors have struggled. Um, you know, the, the Atlantic Challenge Cup, and, and it looks like – I don't have any kind of an official word on it, but if you read between the lines of the the latest press release, you know, it looks like that event has probably ended. What what do you think we can do to improve the play of the juniors, especially in America? Exactly. So this is what we have to do. We have to give them a platform where they can compete all the time. You have to be able to stay in the heat to, to and, and to stop losing them to other sports. You know, we're losing them to cornhole and video games and all this because there's really nothing at the end of the rainbow. Now, here's the other side of it. Europe has already reached out to me. I've had numerous people from Europe reach out to me saying that they want their juniors to come over here and play in these events because they feel that we're going to get it. So we need these our kids, our juniors, to be able to be in the heat constantly. They can't just play two events and think they're going to go against Europe. Because if you remember, I did that Atlantic Challenge Cup. I did that. And I watched us get a donut. And it was crazy watching Fedor Gorst and, oh, man, Victor Zelensky. And, uh, you know, oh, man, I can't remember my man's name. But they told me. They said, we're going to give you guys a donut. I was so hot. I said, Fedor, you can't say it. He said, no, you're going to get a donut. And Thomas Brickman is the coach from, from Europe. Big shout out to him. He's talking to me. He said, Rob, we probably have four teams that can come over here and, and deal with you guys. Myself being American, I didn't like that too much. I had to take it, though, Mike. <laughs> I had to take it because they, 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 you know, at that moment, they are better than us. I think, but if we get this format going where, where the kids can come play, I think we can do it. We also have Roy Pastor out there doing great things. We have uh, my man D. Atkins doing great things. I think if we can put all, all our powers together, we can do it. So what I'm going to do, so this one's going to be in, in Virginia, right? I want to go to Texas. Then I, then I want to go to um, maybe Minnesota-ish, and then I want to be like uh, like Kansas, Idaho, all those little hot spots where all those great juniors are playing. Because out here on the uh, the West Coast, too, we have we have Oscar Dominguez at hard times. We have Emily Collado, who's busting her behind with a great juniors program. We also have my man um, uh, Frank Spain, Frank Spain out there in Maryland. And that's, that's another thing. We're going to have a, a juniors event out there at Corner Pocket in Maryland. So me and Frank Spain, Risky Shots, we're putting that together. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, man. I, You know, I, I love the juniors. And to tell you the truth, I was pretty embarrassed when I went to Chicago for the first Atlantic Cup Challenge. And I never knew that these juniors had 4.0s and 3.9s. I didn't know that they had the educational side and the pool side. And being a, a promoter in the streaming, I just felt bad. I said, you know what, I'm going to try to give these juniors – the biggest platform that they can get. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm going to do for myself, you know, and for them. And, you know, with On The Wire, On The Wire got yeah. On The Wire creative media. Um, 
it was not focused on juniors and, and when it was created. Nope. And nope. certainly there, you know, you do more than just everything that you do for juniors. But was it at that first Chicago event that it really hit you that this was something you wanted to concentrate on? Um, that's exactly what it was. I sat there with Skip Nemechek and Mike Pinozo, and I felt bad that they had we, – we was in this small room in Chicago. It was nobody in there, Mike, and I felt embarrassed. There is no way. I said, if I can do something, I can do it. And that's when um, we sponsored Chris Robinson and we sponsored April Larson. That's where that all came about. We did their websites. We did everything, you know, we did everything for them to give them, to show them that they can have exposure that they need. Because I think that's that's another part of the equation. You being in the media, you know it too. Our kids aren't media savvy. We need them to understand that when you get in front of that camera and start talking, you know, you're representing the United States, you represent your parents, you represent everybody, but it's a potential for you to make money. It's a potential for you to have something. So I think, you know, on my side, I'm trying to give them both. I'm trying to give them both, but you're exactly right. On the wire, you know, I, I we was we was after the pros. I just wanted the pros to have a better um, platform, more exposure. You know, I wanted to be like, you know, the news and stuff. You know, which was the mic and stuff. But once I saw the kids, man, it, it changed me. It changed me, and I was like, nah, they. This is where our concerns need to be. And you know, if you if you step back a little bit, we've got. Chris Robinson, who you already have a relationship with, yeah. playing on Moscone Cup, and he's how old? Yeah, Chris. Chris is he? He will be. I want to mess this up. I think he'll just be twenty-one. It's close. It's like he just had a birthday or something. Twenty-one. But the thing was, too, Mike. The great thing about that, I, well, you know, I did the match with him and Tyler Steyer. We have a great interview coming up. It'll be out in um, maybe maybe a week or something. They're just finished cutting it right now. But we get to the nitty-gritty. The thing about Chris that was great for America is he's a product of the junior system. He's a product. I mean, the kid, you know, he's 14, 13. He went through it. He had his parents supporting him. We saw the ups and downs firsthand. And I think if we, you know, a lot of times I think we become jaded, Mike, because if it's on social media and you're not there living it, then you, you think it doesn't affect you. But when you watch somebody go through it, and, and go through the heartbreak and the triumph, I think it, you can't help yourself but to want to be involved if you have a heart. And, you know, it's more than just Chris Robinson. Um, I don't know if you noticed there was a recent event. Action Pool Tour, Virginia State 8-Ball Championship. We had Shane Wolford, who took second, and his sister took second in the ladies' division, and she's a junior player. Oh, yeah, and I've watched her come up, Savannah. Savannah Walford is a monster. I think, you know, the times at the BF, I think she just got the stream jitters and never really played her full game, but I've watched her warm up in practice. I watched her play a powerhouse. And what else can you say about Shane Walford? I mean, that, that young man won everything when he was a junior. That, that, that kid can, that young man can play, that's for sure. <laughs> You know, I had an interesting conversation a couple of weeks ago with Roy Pastor, and he he made a, a point of some of the times when you get these kids at the Junior Nationals, it's not them trying to go and win the event. You know, they can accomplish something by just going to this event, maybe winning a, a game. He, he pointed out one player who won a rack, and everyone clapped, you know, for for him. You know, there's a whole lot more that can be done for these junior players than just throwing a tournament and telling them, yeah, there's added money here. You know, if you win, you get some money. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I think that's a part of uh, 
I think in, in, in my, my belief for the juniors, I've been there. I've seen, I've seen the pathos. I've seen kids cry. I've seen them jump up and down. I see the parents lose it. That spirit, it's almost like the little league. It's like little league baseball, but it doesn't get this, the same exposure. And I've seen kids exactly what you said. I've seen kids struggle on a table and, and can't get out to save their life. And then they get out and you see their face light up. And that whole room is clapping for that person. You know, they, there is competition there. There is cutthroat, you know, it's, it's all that too, but there is a big sense of camaraderie that goes on in those juniors. That is not in the pros. It does not exist in the pros the way it is. It exists in the juniors for sure. And like we had mentioned you know, you do more than just everything that you're doing for the juniors. What else do you have coming down yeah. the pipe? Well, uh, so my last my last big match was a Tyler Starr and Chris Robinson, and it was along the lines of of tar. You know, I want to have an event to where it's high production, right? High production, and there's you know the match is competitive, and you can have seating. I want to make. I'm not trying to make everybody come in tuxedos and ties, but I'm just trying to clean it up a little bit so we can make this product so we can be marketable again. We, so we can be marketable again and we can get cornhole and stuff off ESPN. I mean, really stone skipping, Mike stone skipping. And, and, you know, I want to act like this is funny, but it's not funny, Mike. You know what I mean? We have to do something to get our, to get our, our thing back on board. So I'm in, in a hole, man. My, my mission for real is just to try. I just want to uplift billiards. I want people to know that you don't have to, uh, it doesn't have to be smoky and all, all, you know, all the bad things that people think about it, the negative connotations. They're not always true. So if somebody can watch an on the wire presentation and be like, you know what, on the wire, man, they just do it. There's no must, no fuss. We're just going to go and show it. So on my end, I'm really happy, Mike, and I'm going to share this exclusive with you. Uh, we just made a big, huge, huge production upgrades. I mean, uh, huge. I'm going to uh, put this game on his ear a little bit. I'm going to make people. I'm going to hold them accountable. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to get rid of this. And no disrespect to nobody. You can't just point a camera at a table and say that's a production. You're not going to be able to do that. No more. You're going to have to hold yourself accountable and the, and let the people hold you accountable too. Because when people say there's no money in pool, I think that's a fallacy. I think people just don't want to give up their hard-earned money on something that's not, you know, above par. Okay, that seems fair. It sounds like you're putting yeah. putting other streamers and other uh, producers on notice here. Here's what I say, Mike, and you and you know it, and everybody out there knows too. I will never, ever, ever talk bad about another streamer or somebody who does it, right? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying that if we if we're going to complain that we can't get anywhere because this, that, and the other third, well, then when I have a producer. Look at streams. I'm a t I'll just tell you this. I had Hollywood producer look at a couple of streams, big streams, small streams. He said, I can't watch it for more than three minutes, Ra. He said, it's yeah. just not sexy. It's just not sexy. Like, we need that bathroom TV, Mike. You know, the, the TV you have on when you're just walking around cooking in your house or you're talking. That TV that's on in the back, that's what we need. And the only way we're going to do it is through the juniors. That is the only way we're going to do it. Because if we don't build them up, to where they can be our product and have it. And you know these kids' names, Joey Tate, Landon Collinsworth, Savannah Wolford. When you get to know those names and who those kids are, then you will, you will care about it. And you know me, my big saying is no chalk, no shirts, no cues. We want to give them something more. 
We got, I want to give them self-esteem. I want to give them confidence. I want them to have a sense of pride that when they wear United States on their back, Mike, they know what that represents. But how do you make nine ball sexy? I mean, when it's played well, it's not. <laughs> unless you really know what you're watching. Exactly. So here, here's the thing, too. And, you know, we're, we're going to get into it. Um, you need we just need to put it in a more palatable situation. Maybe the game's not nine ball, Mike. Maybe it's eight ball. Eight balls played all over the world, right? In a bar, everybody knows eight ball. So maybe we start there, lowest common denominator. But here's the thing. Robotic, super poised, never, never uh, getting rattled pool players are not good for TV. They are good for pool, and they're good for winning, but you want to see, I want some Rodney Morris. I want some Earl. I want some Johnny. I want some uh, Allison Fisher. I want Core. We have to build these characters so people can watch. They will watch if they think it's interesting. They will. We can do Battle of the Stars. I, we go get some you know, Hollywood stars. They team them up with a champ, you know, like pros versus Joes. There's a lot of other ways. I just think that we don't beat this, this horse dead for over 70 years with the, with the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. We have to be able, there has to be room for dif- for differences. You know, there has to be room for another type of model. Maybe it's a game show, Mike. Maybe it's, maybe it's anything else than what we're doing. Anything else than what we're doing. We have to, we have to attack it a different way. If this was a football team, Mike, and I'm your quarterback and I throw, you know, four interceptions, I'm out of there, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> in pool, we done threw like, 100 million interceptions, and we're still doing the same thing. We're still doing the same thing. So I think we have to, we have to change. I think the, the fans are changing, and they're more knowledgeable. They know what's going on, but there's not enough of that. There's not enough of that. Because when I can go online and hear somebody, the sacrilege, somebody complaining about Jeremy Jones commentating, are you kidding me? He's the best thing since sliced bread. A beautiful voice, a great teaching thing, and he knows what he's doing. Like, what else you need? What else you need? I, I think right. pool just the problem is the problem is Mike. The pool wants a they don't want the color commentator. They just want the two knowledgeables. But that's only going to be good for pool people. That's only going to be good for pool people. Mom at home's not going to understand what you know hydraulics is or what force follow is. You know what I mean? She's not going to understand. She don't know how much skill it takes to draw your rock two table mm-hmm. lengths to land in a diameter of a dime, or you lose. They don't understand that because it's never really, really been explained, Mike. It, it hasn't. No matter how they put it, it's just never been explained right, I think. Well, I've said it before. If anybody's going to do it, it's going to be you. Man, listen, Mike, you know, I'd, I, I, I'm thankful for America giving me, you know, this, this opportunity. And my thing is that if we fail 100 times, so what, man? Because one of the only thing we have to do is succeed one time. That's all we have to do is win one time and we'll be okay. So, you know, I'm thankful for everybody that watches and on the wire, you know, if we're going to head down this road, Mike, to do something, we can do it together. I think it's, I think pool is just like the wild west. I'm a gunslinger, Mike, you're a gunslinger. Okay. Corral. Who's better than who? That's not getting us nowhere. We need to, we need to get cohesive and, and put this sport forward and then put our egos last. All right. Um, January 7th through the 9th, January 7th through the 9th, that's right. And then following that, we had the U.S. We have the U.S. I'm sorry, I got to get my little name correct. The U.S. Junior Classic, we're going to be down there in Kentucky. So I'm doing that event, too, 
along with my man Justin Tingle, and it is a Derby City-styled event. So one pocket, nine ball banks, and banks. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, man, I'm pretty excited, man. It's a good little January swing. Well, hopefully we can check back with you after that first January event and see how things came together. Well, Mike, I'm going to tell you, you know, I might have a scoop for you after that. And, you know, I'm going to bring it first to AZ Billiards, of course. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. All right, my man. Much appreciated. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you. I always enjoy talking to Ra. He, he's, he's such a motivator. You can't help but talk to him and feel like all of this is possible. Um, Ra strikes me a lot like Emily Frazier over at Matchroom. You know, you, you talk to him and you think, man, this game's got such a future in front of it. It's just making that future happen that, uh, you know, needs to be worked on. But with guys like Ra and Emily working as hard as they are on it, I, I still think it's going to be a great 2021. So that's the show for this week. Um, next week, I've got a short interview with Jerry Forsyth. Uh, recently, it was the anniversary of the Tokyo Open, which was a huge event. Uh, Efren won like $150,000 at it. And I didn't know a lot about the event. So I sat down with Jerry. We talked about the event and we talked about Efren. But again, that's next week. Uh, so I'll have Jerry Forsyth for next week. For this week, that's everything I've got. I appreciate everybody listening. And Dave, we are always thinking about you. <laughs>